I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Rugby League Digest. I'm Michael Adams here with Andrew Paskin. How's it going, Andy? Good, mate. Bunkered down in Newcastle. How are you? Similarly bunkered down, going a bit crazy, as we'll discuss, but doing the best I can. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. This episode is nominally a Patreon-only exclusive, but we're throwing it out to the main feed just to keep in touch. You haven't heard from us for a couple of weeks now, but also just uh, by way of apology for the lack of content lately. So uh, you in the Newcastle region, me in Sydney, we're both in lockdown. And I got to say, this one has been like brutal for my mental health. Like I'm about as low as I've ever been. uh, And I'm in a really lucky situation in terms of employment, housing, family, all the rest of it. So just want to express some solidarity for any listeners who might be doing it a bit tough. I'm right there with you. But it has meant that I've had to kind of step back a bit from going as hard as I was with the show and getting it ready. So just at the outset, wanted to apologize for the lack of Super League content lately. Well, I'm sure on behalf of the listeners, we're all unhappy to hear that you are doing it tough, but great use of that rugby league parlance. (laughs) As always, family comes first before podcasting, so don't apologize. Yeah, I mean, homeschooling my son while working a full-time job trying to keep the family together and then trying to do this on top of it. Uh, Something had to give, and unfortunately, it is the podcast. So the next chapter of the Super League War will be out next week, the first part of that chapter. We've got one more chapter that will wrap up the 1996 season, and from there, there will be a bit of a break as I take the time to get 1997 ready. So that break is... Not what I anticipated at the start of the year when we started the second season of our show, but I think everyone can understand the you know the situation we're unfortunately still in with COVID. So it is what it is, uh, but it means that in the short term, the best place to hear us if you want to keep hearing our voices over the next couple of months is to sign up for the Patreon. So we'll be continuing to put out some bonus episodes there and and extra content. So it won't be radio silence from us, but it may not be as many episodes as you would be expecting. Let me just ask you quickly, is Ice Age 2 behind this meltdown? (laughs) Is that that part of it? Uh, Yep. So that relates to a couple of posts that I've put up on my Facebook page in the last few weeks. We're about 800 views into Ice Age 3, (laughs) Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Which is probably where, where my mental health started spiraling, really. So <laughs> so cannot recommend that movie. <laughs> yeah, our attitude towards the Super League War has always been, go get it right. I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews in that period as well. There's rumblings and there's been negotiations with 
Australia's greatest comedian, Luke Heggie, for an updated Grub 17, which is going to be awesome. Oh, I cannot wait. He's been training with the Caterpillars down there in Wollongong, and <laughs> we've got uh, some international guests, and we've got some very cool Australian guests too, so look out for those uh, in the interim. Yep. And if you do just want to hear two dickheads talking about footy with each other, we will still be doing that uh, over the next couple of months as well. So we're not disappearing. As you said, we're just taking the time to get Super League right. And at the moment, I'm just not in the headspace, nor do I have the time to successfully achieve that. So, well, on top of Ice Age, you'd have to deal with um, the war, and that's going to put you in an ultra negative <laughs> headspace. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's stay in that ultra-negative headspace and get into everything happening with Rugby League at the moment. So when we last spoke, there were rumours that Australia were putting pressure on the World Cup organisers to postpone the event. I think probably a day or so after we released the show, it was announced that Australia and New Zealand were officially pulling out of the World Cup. And a few days ago, we heard the announcement that the World Cup has officially been postponed until 2022. I want to handle this conversation in a nuanced way and look at the pros and cons of all the decisions that were made. But I just want to say at the outset, it was just a real bummer the way it all played out over the last couple of weeks. It was a bummer, but I also think it's good that it's out in the open now, the arrogance of Australian rugby league figures, you know, and the contempt for international football, which we've talked about for years and years now, you and I. So yeah. the fact that they overtly come out and said it, I think it's actually good that it's out in the open and we can address it now and uh, change it, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, hopefully is the operative word there. But we're definitely seeing a lot come out. Like Rob Bergen has been all over Twitter and everywhere else banging the drum, which has been really positive. I want to start with a slight defense of the NRL. Uh, and I think when we recorded our last episode you you thought it was the common sense approach to postpone the world cup i think it is an entirely defensible position to say that it's not the right time for the world cup this year we just saw the olympics i think it's wrapping up as we record isn't it and it was just covid damaged is there any way to describe it it just wasn't the same if we wait another year hopefully there'll be some sort of uh, semblance of normalcy that they can run it in it's not the Olympics. It's a struggle getting it going in a regular time period, let alone in the middle of this pandemic. I just think just wait until next year. I think for me, one of the key things is, and this was our, our favorite Swiss listener, Carsten, on the Patreon made this comment that basically there's two different philosophies to approaching COVID, one that we've seen in Europe and one that we've seen here in the Antipodes. And you're kind of seeing those two things colliding in this World Cup brouhaha with England are at a different point in their COVID response and they've also had a much different approach and a different idea of what is an acceptable amount of cases and deaths in the community. Australia's like ultra-restrictive policy has meant that things like hotel quarantine are still in place and I don't think it's a minor thing to tack the extra two weeks on to any World Cup campaign. And that goes along with all the, you know, potential for players to catch COVID, although really getting them vaccinated wouldn't be that big a drama. But I think that two weeks, the hotel quarantine, is like a really big factor. And I wonder if that wasn't the case, whether the NRL would have been 
like more amenable to the event going ahead. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. Regardless of the minutiae of it, I'm disgusted with the response, the arrogant response and contemptuous attitude of the Australian talking heads, as it were, talking about Gus and co here, as usual. Well, before we get to Gus, the actual statement by the ARLC uh, and the New Zealand Rugby League to basically say that it was due to player welfare. And when I saw that statement, I was prepared to wait before passing judgment because what I'd found interesting in the lead up was I hadn't heard too much from players. Like I think um, Damien Cook had been out saying he wanted to go. I think Tedesco had maybe said something similar. And then just before the announcement, I think Christian Welch had also said that he was really keen for it to go ahead. But I hadn't heard too much from players. So I was like, well, maybe there's a bit of bubble fatigue. Maybe the players aren't really feeling it this year. But then following the announcement, the Rugby League Players Association comes out and basically says that they weren't consulted like at any stage throughout <laughs> the process. Yeah. It it just it was so craven to pin it all on player safety without actually speaking to the players. Yeah, it makes you wonder why they had to do that. Just come out and say, because it's not going to be very good if we do it in this pandemic. <laughs> like, you know, uh, Just come out with the actual reasons that you have. People are going to understand. Yeah, and, and I mean, that leads you to think, well, are the actual reasons that sound? You know, a global pandemic seems to be a pretty reasonable excuse if you wanted to go down that path. But instead to just kind of put it down to player welfare, you know, there was one thing that came out that said 75% of players polled wanted to go ahead. So it just seems like a complete farce. And the word throughout the whole saga was that it was club-driven. The club's didn't want the players to go. They didn't want to wait that extra two weeks. And then the question of whether those two weeks in quarantine were on the players' time or the club time, regardless of, of <laughs> you know, where that all fell down, it seems like pretty clear that it was club-driven, which makes a complete mockery of the idea of an independent commission. Is the independent commission run by the RLPA? It seems yeah. to be rather toothless. <laughs> but everyone's making sacrifices around the world during this pandemic, you know? help out your fellow brother and sister, except for the NRL clubs. They're still as selfish as ever. Yeah. Well, let's introduce Gus at this point, who's been very strident for the past couple of weeks. What do you make of his argument? Well, it's, you know, it's quite accurate if you want to break it down. What he's saying, without Australia and New Zealand, it's going to be uh, not very good. But the way he does it, he's just a, he's a pig of a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, even though I agree with that sentiment, I'm actually going to give a minor defense of Gus because like, I think in terms of his opinion, in terms of what he's actually saying, like think about where he's employed, employed by NRL clubs and by Channel 9. Neither of them, you know, advocates for the greater good or the international game, you know, it's very much self-interest. But I think his meltdown online over the past couple of weeks I think it's maybe come from, like, I think he's dealing with a bit of, he's being told that he knows nothing about football by all these people online. And I think that that's really got to him. And maybe, you know, in other circumstances, he just kind of brushed it off. He's gone the other way. What they're saying is he has no idea about the international scene. And it appears that he doesn't because he doesn't care about it. So it's like the Super League war chats we're having with Arthurson and then it revolves around who Australia is going to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's exactly the same attitude. But I don't know. Like I looked at it during the week, like the pros and cons of it. And to me, like if we do it now, 
great, we have a World Cup, but it's going to be like, you know, 75% of the players will go. Some won't want to go. It won't be full strength. Uh, there'll be excuses. There'll be an asterisk. Crowds won't be there, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why we just can't have an exhibition tournament with the ones that do want to attend this year and have the real one next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're back to some sort of reality where some crowds can be there and it can be a real World Cup. Yeah, and all the arguments against postponing it. So you've got this money that was being given by the British government to the event, and I'm not sure if that money carries over. So there's some questions there. And and that might have been resolved. I, I haven't stayed on top of it, so I don't know where that is. There's also the Soccer World Cup next year. So this was viewed as like a real prime opportunity to have some space in the sports landscape over there. So I can definitely see the case for pushing ahead. Well, let me ask you, I mean, the way the world is currently, we just spoke about your personal priorities, is the Rugby League World Cup on top of everyone's list of, no matter how much space there is between the Soccer World Cup and the Rugby League World Cup, is right now the time when everyone's going, you know what we need? The Rugby League World Cup. Well, I kind of think in a way, yes, because I'm just thinking about having spent the last two weeks watching the Olympics And that has been such a salve and I'm in mourning already. But I would disagree with your initial assessment of the Olympics because I thought it was great. I loved it. It was a nice little distraction, but it wasn't the same. Seeing them on the podium when they can't even show their face to get their medals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the same. It was good for us to take their mind off things for a couple of weeks. Great, yeah, fun for us, but it wasn't a great Olympics. I think it was. I, I would argue it was a great Olympics. Just I thought there were some captivating stories some really like yeah that would have been just as captivating if people could unveil their faces and and move freely between (laughs) each other in the village i'm not arguing that it wouldn't have been much better with crowds like obviously it would have if it was just a normal olympics but i guess in terms of the debate we're having now the olympics came just after the euros there was so much buzz about that tournament and you know football's coming home and all that side of things <laughs> where's football <laughs> so we went didn't make it home we went straight from the euros into the olympics and i got to say like i barely watched any rugby league for the last 3 weekends i was you know not watching my favorite sport in order to watch you know like Javelin, a sport I don't give a shit about for 206 weeks out of 208. But I was prioritizing that because watching, you know, Manly play Cronulla, it just felt small and insignificant in contrast. So I think sport can be captivating in different ways. And where I come down on is the COVID situation creates this appetite for it. And, you know, coming off the back of Euros, Olympics, people are kind of ready for more international sport. I totally understand the reasons for postponing the World Cup, even though I think the NRL or the ARLC, their actions have been quite shameful and you know their priorities have been made clear. But just at a base level, it just sucks because I think this year would have been a really great place for it in the sports calendar. Well, there's two things against my position is that A, the world mightn't have come back to normal by next year yeah, might yeah. Be in the same boat and um if we do it this year we can hide any bad crowds and blame it on there's no crowds yeah. <laughs> if we do it this year so there's a couple of uh negatives but i stand by my initial thoughts on just wait until every, everything's a bit more normal and we could have hopefully a real world cup with crowds and everything I hope make it as good as possible but i understand your position as well if it was out now we'd probably get a lot of tv viewers yeah yeah 
But the other interesting thing to me is thinking about the NRL's responsibility to international football. I've been trying to think about it today, and I can't think of a domestic league of a major sport around the world that has a greater responsibility to its sports international game. Yeah, even the basketball fever is quite strong. Yeah, exactly. And it went for decades without NBA players. And if the NBA stopped sending their players, you know, the basketball world championship, basketball in the Olympics would still be a big thing. And, you know, any other American sport either doesn't get played internationally or something like baseball has its own kind of, you know, the Asian kind of influence and, you know, Latin America as well. So... Mm. it's hard to think of another domestic league that bears so much responsibility. And I think that that makes the the situation tricky because just as the clubs will always act in the best interests of the clubs, a domestic league is always going to act in the best interests of the league. Like the NRL will follow the money. And so it's clear that international football just doesn't rate on the same scale of, you know, state of origin or the NRL finals. And, you know, maybe it could, but that's kind of like a long-term strategy and requires, you know, a visionary kind of administration willing to sacrifice short-term game to achieve that. And I don't think we've ever had that in NRL administration. Well, it is the competition with the most obligation and it's also the competition with one of the least efforts (laughs) following it up. I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't like international football when it's competitive. I haven't met a single person in my life, so I don't know why they think this club thing is the be on end all of everything all the time. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it all comes down to the TV deal, you know, because, like, to really make international football a priority, it would require, like, a restructuring of the season, you know, whether it's the, the mid-year rep schedule, shortening the Australian season to allow for a better window of international football, these things are kind of required to take international rugby league to the next step. And that would eat into TV deals with no guarantee of success in the long term. I can't see the NRL changing course so dramatically. Well, instead of signing a 12-year deal when there's still three years to run on the current one, I think we should wait this time because it's now that the iron is hot to strike at the moment. Like TV ratings are embarrassing in general. The biggest TV shows in Australia are embarrassingly low. Mm. I know the rugby league has a lot of online viewing with KO and stuff. Yeah. That, and they mightn't count towards the ratings, but now more than ever, we're competing with YouTube and whatever streaming. I think now's the time to restructure it because TV's dying. It's a dying medium. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, we're not hearing any noise that anyone's actually thinking along these lines and or anyone in administration is willing to, you know, adopt a more radical approach. Like there's the club games are uh, in metro areas, say Cowboys, Panthers or something is like 290,000 viewers or mm. something like that on yeah. Fox. There's podcasts with that many listeners. Yeah. Like YouTube channels, a guy falling over and the work site gets a million views. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> so low yeah so i mean i don't have a solution or know if one will be found but where are you at on the future there's been a lot of doom saying about international rugby league and and its future where are you at on that i think you hit the nail on the head before when you said shortening the australian season every man and his dog wants a rep window ray headley and danny weedler both want it Mm. if they cut it down to 20 rounds or whatever it is 
and then had this rep window, that would be the massive shot in the arm for international football. We're just right there. And the thing is, it would make the domestic game better. It just yeah. would. Two it, birds. You know, every game would matter just that little bit more. Players would be fresher. The quality of the game would improve and the drama of the season as a spectacle would improve. But it's just, it's a gamble to, you know, sacrifice, you know, four rounds and, you know, have, have a lesser deal <laughs> as a result of it. I don't think it's a gamble at all. I think it's such a guaranteed winner. And coming from me, that's Rich, a uh, guaranteed <laughs> winner. But we've covered it every single season since the podcast started. But the drag of the origin period, that goes. Yeah. Then the drag of the season goes because of that. Yeah. And then, like you said, it becomes like the NFL where every game's that much more important. Yeah. So it's win, 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 win. I don't see any loss in there. Yeah. Do you think the players would be able to be match fit for round one instead of you know, warming up to it <laughs> by about round six. I think it'll be a bit rusty still. <laughs> you know, combinations won't be there. But um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it just sucks. It's it's just been a really disappointing couple of weeks of discourse. But hopefully next year we get a great tournament out of it. So, uh, Well, you mentioned um, Rob Bergen. Props to him for getting in the gas online. I love that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And on a similar note today, Danny Widler came out and said on his Twitter page that all the junior comps and the knock-on effect and the Sydney Shield, Ron Massey Cup, Jersey Flag, ETC, uh, won't be returning this season, it uh, looks like. They're having a board meeting uh, at the time of recording. Yeah, that's a real shame, but not really unexpected. And what can you do? You can't have part-time players and 15-year-olds in bubbles. You know, like it's just, no. th- that is what it is. I guess the NRLW is the real concern from here. I think last I heard it's actually been pushed back a few weeks, so we'll run into October. So presuming, you know, the situation improves and we can go ahead with that, that'll actually be really cool and and give it its own dedicated space on the the footy calendar. And that is, unlike the AFL where it comes kind of before the men's competition, it's actually like when people are, you know, we've, we've just had the grand final and, oh, wait, here comes four weeks more footy. So I think that could have some positive effect. And more content for these greedy media providers as well. <laughs> but they can't just scrap the women's comp and treat it like no. the Ron Massey Cup. I mean, yeah. it's they have to be treated like the NRL. Yeah, yeah. And it's a tough one because, again, you know, they're working jobs and, and don't have the same ability to just go in a bubble for six weeks or, you know, go to NRLW Island and, you know, play all the games. So it is a tough situation. I just, that would be a tragedy if that was called off for this year. It would be awesome if we saw someone get banned for sneaking a bloke into the quarantine.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.